Hello, friends. This is the Messenger Podcast, and our goal is to develop messengers whose lives tell the story of the gospel. I'm your host, Sarah Trupo, and today we are switching things up. Typically, you have Addison Bevere, but because we're launching a brand new series called Reset Church, you guys get me. How do you feel about nice. that? Nice. <laughs> I like it. I like being on this How side of the table. How do you feel about not being the host? Is this like... I, I actually feel really yeah, good about you it. feel this is nice. relaxed. Yeah, we might need to do this more. <laughs> I just kind of get to sit back and listen to you. Yeah, I mean, this is a high pressure. I got to... I got to do the intro well. Now you know how I feel when you tell me to do things. All right. Well, I'm the producer of this show. And so Ad asked me to go ahead and share a little bit about the new series. Um, Over the past few months, we've been talking about how you can start this year with strength in every aspect of your life. We discussed ideas for resetting your health, relationships, finances, soul, and work. The reason we did this is because a messenger is one who's entrusted with a message. So allowing God to renovate places in our lives that need some help is the starting point for transformation. And I really believe that. Do you believe that, Ad? 100%. Because I think if your life is a hot mess, it's really hard to carry a message that actually will be delivered well. Yeah, I mean, our lives are a message. Exactly. I mean, that's that's really the whole idea of the gospel message. Is it is a message illustrated in our lives. Yeah. Otherwise, it's kind of pointless. It's just theory. It's just rhetoric. What's the point? <laughs> right? Exactly. Uh, No, and I think that was the thing. When we first talked about the series, we thought, you know, what is the one thing that's holding people back from becoming the truest form of a messenger that God has envisioned for them? I believe God has a God dream for each one of you. And so when we're thinking about, okay, what's the next step for me? A lot of times it's looking at what's holding me back. And so we spent the first part of this year talking about that. But then as we started thinking about this next series, we were like, well, what's the next step? And I think the next step is to really figure out church. Because if you're going to be a messenger, but you don't believe in the mission of the church, you don't believe in the church, you have issues with it, you're not going to want to participate. So our mission with this show always is to help you develop into an uncompromising follower of Christ so you can carry the message of the gospel with purity, power, excellence, and integrity. And that integrity bit is what we addressed in the first series. But the question, right, becomes, what do we do about church? Church is kind of a hot mess sometimes. It is. And maybe you're willing to be used by God, but you have an issue with church, or maybe you've been burned by church, or you don't like church people, which, you know, I can kind of understand. I get it. (laughs) And maybe you just don't want to dive back in. So that's really the mission of this new series. And we're super pumped because we're going to be kind of changing the dynamic a little bit. We're going to be introducing you to people who are doing amazing things within the church. So these are people who are global emerging leaders who are working to advance the gospel in compelling and super creative ways. And the goal of this new series really is to just challenge the general perception of church because we believe that there are amazing things happening in the church at large, but that's just not necessarily the story being told. So I would love for you to share a little bit, Ad, about when we talked about the series, like, why are we doing this? Why does it matter? Why 2019? Why do we need to discuss church? Yeah. Well, I think it's important for us to first define what church is. Yeah, that would be good, right? (laughs) Like, what, what exactly is church? Is it a building? Right. Is it a weekly gathering? Mm-hmm. I mean, what is it? Is it an institution? And when you look at scripture, we find this, this word ecclesia. And what it essentially means is it means the family of believers. So church in its truest form is what? It's a family. Yeah. It's a family. And families can be dysfunctional. I don't know about you. Now, I have an amazing family. I do. Mm -hmm. My parents are phenomenal. I love my brothers, but we have some dysfunction in our family. In fact, my wife affectionately calls our dysfunction. She calls them Bevereisms. (laughs) Bevereisms. I'm still I'm still trying to figure out what all of those are. Yeah. They're like little quirks or dysfunctions. Yeah. That she points out. Like, oh, that's such a Bevereism. Yeah. Only y'all would do something like that, or only you would get into an argument over a a stupid like game or board something game. like that. Yeah. yeah, it's just like dumb. I see. I've heard John Bevere around a board game table. You know what? This is <laughs> this is not a time of confession. So we're gonna go ahead and move on. But the point is, 
it's supposed to be a family. Right. It's supposed to be a family of believers. And just depending on where you're at, depending on what culture you're in, depending on what generation you were a part of, that family is going to take on a different expression, and that's okay. But what has happened, and I think in many ways, we've created a form of idolatry. We've fallen in love with certain expressions of church. We're like, this is the only expression of church, right? right? And then what happens is people are polarized. And you have people over here, they're like, we're all about institutional church, and institutional church is perfect. Then you have the other people over here like, no, we're just going to do organic church. And it's not real. It's not authentic. Right. It's not actually the family of God unless there's no structure, right? Right. And then there's everything in between. And the reality is every single one of those models, every single one of those paradigms are broken. They're faulty. Yeah. They are. Yeah. They have validity, but they don't capture the full picture of church because church is the family. It's a collection of individuals, collection of believers. And so I think it's important for people to first realize that it doesn't take on one expression. Right. And every family has the weird uncle and every family has like the weird things that happen. And I mean, I think that's one thing that we have this high standard for church, but we forget church is comprised of people and people have, as we you know, went through that series, people have dysfunction and, and that shows up in the family. And so Absolutely. I think one thing that we really discussed was, you know, we've seen that there's a lot of ugliness in church. There's a lot of people feeling like ostracized or feeling shamed or feeling disappointed or disaffected. And I because think because we forget it's family. Right. <laughs> so you're supposed to fight for family. That's right. And you I, don't have the option. At least you shouldn't have the option to give up on family. Exactly. And I think when I was doing research for the series, I was surprised like by the outrageous stories and like some of the nasty things that people were doing. And, and we don't want the show to be about how broken the church is. Right. Because we I think we all know that. But I think when I was reviewing these stories, it made me sad and it made me think this can't be it. Like this can't be the whole thing that we have. I'd love for us to just talk a little bit about like what is our desires for the listener? Like what are we hoping that you guys take away yeah. from the series? Well, when I study scripture and I see I see three defining attributes of the church. And now there are more, but I would say these are the three defining attributes of the church. The first one is unity, mm -hmm. right? And that's yeah. that's hard. Yeah. I mean, we we hear that word and we're like, oh shoot. Right. We're we're not even close to unified. Okay. So, but if you look at the high priestly prayer, John 17, right. what is the focus of that prayer? The focus of that prayer is unity. Jesus is praying that we would know the kind of unity that he knows with his father. When you look at Ephesians 4, when it talks about the fivefold ministry and the purpose of the church, it's to unify the saints. It's to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's good, yeah. And so we have to remember that all of this, all of this, regardless of where we start, regardless of our upbringing, regardless of our culture, we're all moving to the same place. Right. We're all moving to the same place of wholeness, of maturity in Christ, right? So the journey's going to look different, but we're all moving in the same direction. Right. Right? Does that, does that make sense? So unity. Right. So that's not optional. When I hear, and I hear this all the time, I hear people in the fivefold ministry, right? So pastors, evangelists, apostles, prophets, teachers, I hear them bashing each other, bashing preachers mm. in other camps of the body of Christ. And I, and I hear that, and I'm like, that is the antithesis of John 15, where Jesus says that they will know that we are his disciples by our love for one another. Right. And it's not like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm correcting this, this thing, this doctrine. It's like, no, I'm going after this person. Yeah. This person is a pathetic <laughs> human being, and I'm going to tear I'm them apart. I'm not laughing because that's funny, but I mean, it's true because, I mean, how far do you have to get to realize when you're actually attacking your own family member, right? right. Like We're called the body of Christ. It's like the face slapping right. itself. So in the world, there's glory in individualism. 
there's glory in being elevated right. because of celebrity one's, and yeah, one's yeah. status or progress or whatever. But in the body of Christ, glory comes from unity. Right. It's very it's it's very countercultural, but the glory comes from unity. So that's the first thing. We have to fight for unity. We have a saying here at Messenger National, it's part of our team covenant, that we fight for fierce unity. Like we want to have that fierce unity, the mm-hmm. a willingness, no, no matter what what this world throws our way, we're going to fight for each other and we're going to fight for that unity. And that does not mean that we agree about everything. Right. What it does mean is we recognize the intrinsic value that we all have. We recognize that what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, that we know in part is true, which means, right. guess what? We're going to need other people. Right. God designed this, this Christian life in a way where we can't be self-sufficient. No. He's the only one who's self-sufficient. Right. And everyone carries something. We do. An ingredient needed. Absolutely. And you see this modeled so well in the book of Acts in particular, where they recognize the value found in their fellow brothers and sisters of Christ. And as they did that, as they were unified, it was explosive. Right. The growth. Absolutely explosive. So the first thing. And people were impacted. People pointed to that church and said, what is happening there? Right, because of the cohesion. Like, it's normal for people to be disenfranchised. Right. It's normal for people to be divided. It's normal for people to be at each other's throats. Right. It's otherworldly to see a people who, despite their differences, are unified. And that is so good. And what would it look like in this next generation to see a church where governments and business leaders and people in the public were just pointing to the church? Instead of saying, what a hot mess or what dramas happen in, in the church world, they're saying, wow, that is so incredible, the unity of that group of people. What What is it about them? Like, and they want to find out more, you know? Absolutely. And that's, and people think like, well, I mean, if things were perfect, we would be unified. Yeah, right. False. But yeah, false. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, go back and read Paul's letters yeah. to the early churches. Right? Yeah. Oh, he. They was... were broken. Oh my goodness. Those yeah. churches were broken. They were a mess. Right. So this whole idea of a broken church—it's not a 21st century problem. No, right. This has been a problem for millennia. But <laughs> what we get the opportunity to do with, because I I believe for this next generation, like we can choose to either continue that narrative of church is broken, church is problematic, church people are mean. Church, I'm gonna sit on the side I'm and criticize. Side, I'm gonna throw stones, or we can say, you know what? I'm gonna be part of the solution rather than be part of the problem, and really look for innovative ways to make it relevant for the context we're in in the country you're in or the culture you're in. Absolutely. But, you know, because I think so often we're focused on the Western church. But when you get outside of the borders of your country or the Western mentality, you see that church globally, the manifestation of God in different capacities is completely different. And it it enlarges your mind. I, I lived in Africa for a while. And just seeing the God of Africa, the God of those churches, I was like, wow, this is the same God that is in every single other church in the world, yet we're over here throwing stones about pastor so-and-so and this and that. And I'm like, these people are just celebrating. They're worshiping. They're, they're meeting in a local village context, yeah. you know, and the, that God is the same God. And I think sometimes it can be so off-putting to look at your own, you know, church culture or, th- or critique maybe. Sure. But what it, would it look like for you to realize, expand your mind that there's more happening in the world? And that's part of why we're doing this series because we want you to see there's more happening. But I know you right. had a third point. So no, I, I actually, hear this. we're still on point one. Oh, dang. Okay. Yeah, sorry. No, so, <laughs> and, and I'm not, I'm not this done with good. this okay. one. Okay. Right, this will I'm, be a three I'm, part podcast. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, so, so this idea of unity, you need something that unifies you. Right. Right. So if, if we make church another vehicle to feel better about ourselves, to get what we want out of life, 
then is that going to unify us? No. No, it's going to divide us. Right. So the church needs a mission that's significant enough to unite us in all of our differences, to unite all of our different expressions. And if you look, again, going back to this theme of family, right? We're, right. we're going we're gonna to hit on this theme of family again. If you look at the Abrahamic covenant, Genesis 12, God made a promise to Abraham that he would bless the nations, that all the nations, all generations would be blessed through what? Through a family. Right. And then God, in the greatest divine twist imaginable, became part of that family mm. to fulfill both sides of the covenant promise. Right. Yeah. And because of that, we can all be a part of the family of God, regardless of our location, regardless of our socioeconomic status, regardless of whatever, we can all be a part of the family of God. So that is what we, as the body of Christ, have to contend for. The reality is that God did love the world so much that he sent his only begotten son that who would ever believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That has to be the narrative of our lives. Right. And that takes on a unique expression and form, just, re- just depending on where we are and what we're doing. But that is the thing that we have to fight for. Yeah, and I think when you really think about that, you know, the idea of family and the idea of, of staying with it, you know, for me, it's, it's not like when you go to Walmart, you know, you can pick, you know, I think I want this brand or I want this brand or I want, you know, and when you start to get into that consumerism mentality with church, and I know this is especially an American, you know, problem, but I think that's where some of that's lost, right? Because then now you're not part of the community. You're asserting your independence in a way that says my independence is more important than the community Absolutely. and the mission. Well, it's my independence, my comfort, right? my preferences. Preferences. My preferences. That's a good way of I, saying it. I prefer this brand. I prefer yeah. this type of church. I prefer right. this type of person. Now, do you think else. it's okay, though, to have preferences? Absolutely. I think that's where sometimes I can be kind of hard, like, okay, I need to just go to my local church, and it's only 10 minutes away, and I don't care that they're all Lutherans, even though that's not my style of worship. <laughs> like. You know, I can get really intense with myself, like, this is your local community. But then I realize, you know, there are preferences in how you're equipped. Absolutely. Well, I think the key, and and Paul hits on this in Romans 8, is being led by the Spirit. Right. Right. So I love that. So let's be, let's, of course, like, let's be sensitive to our preferences and to the way that God has wired us uniquely. I mean, we're all different. And that's okay. That's a part of what makes the body of Christ a beautiful expression of God, is the variance found in the body of Christ. But Sometimes God requires us to lay down our preferences so they can be reborn mm. in full expression. Yeah. What do you think? Okay, so I have like a practical question okay. for you because me and my fiance are trying to sort out. We're in a church All feud right, right now. Practical Real question. time. Okay, so right. he goes to one church. He's involved in the worship team. I go to another church. I want to kind of plant more there. I feel like my gifting can be used there more. Sure. We're at an impasse of preferences because we both, you know, prefer different things. And so when you look at that right now, one of the things is we've gotten in a few little fights about it, um, but we've That's talked. <laughs> hey, you want to fight about things that are important. You just want to but fight But one of the well. things we've zoomed out in, and I think we are fighting well, but we've said, hey, what is the high, for us, it's mission. Like we've okay. decided. Okay that we want to make sure both of us align with the mission and that the Holy Spirit says, this is the mission you're supposed to be a part of, regardless of preference. So regardless of if I like that worship or he likes that teaching, what is the mission of this church? And is that where God is planting us? And so that's kind of the way we've routed it. But you've been at this a lot longer 
I would love to hear. And and this goes for singles or married people. Sure. When you're trying to figure out where should I plant myself or where should I really, I'm like if you're listening to this and you're going, I hear you add, I want to be part of family. I can put aside my preferences. How do you know you're making the right decision? Right. No, that's such a good question. So the way that I would look at it is I'll, I'll use a military metaphor. Oh, dang. Okay. okay. Where's we're Matt? Gonna, we need gonna, Matt. I know. Matt should be in the room for this one. <laughs> uh, so you look at the military. There are many different branches within mm-hmm. the military, right? And even within those branches, there are different functions. So when you look at the body of Christ, there are many different branches or many different functions within the body of Christ. Right. And so I think it's a matter of alignment. Yeah. So you That's look good. so you look at it, you're like, okay, hey, does this align with with the gifts, with the passion, um, with the opportunity that God has put in me and on me? Does this align with the way that he is asked me to lay down my life. See, that's the big thing here. Remember, right. remember what Jesus said. If you want to know life, life, if you want to follow him, die to yourself. You, die, you lay down your dun, life. Dun, dun. Die to, I'm, I mean, I'm being, I know, I'm, we not, joke, I'm, but I'm, I'm being joking, serious. but it's like, it's so true and it's hard. It's, it's extremely hard, but we all know, and I love C.S. Lewis, he says something along the lines, but the only things in God that we get to keep are the ones we freely give away. Mm, right? Wow. Like that's, yeah. that's it. That's yeah. it. So if you want life, give yes. it away. You find it. Even even the most humanistic and secular people actually tell you that's a pretty safe way to find meaning and to get over the ailments of self-love. Okay. And I'm talking right. about unhealthy self-love. Anyway, so I would look at it it's as a couple, right? Because you guys are going from two people to one. Right. So we're talking about a change, a beautiful, a miraculous change to becoming one. That's that's phenomenal. Yeah. So you have to start getting vision for y'all as a couple. Does that mean you lose vision for you, Sarah Trupo, as an individual? Absolutely not. But there's a new component in this mix, and it's the two of you right. as a couple. Mm. So I would start to look at, okay, God, what's the, what's the vision for us as a couple? How are you inviting us as a couple to lay down our lives? And which church mm. aligns with, with that calling that you've placed on us as a couple? That's how I would navigate the conversation. I love that. So now if you're a single person, what would you say for them if they're trying to figure out how to be more involved in church? I would say the same thing to a single person, except yeah. you don't navigate the complication of doing it with someone else. <laughs> so it's a, <laughs> Which is it's, kind of complicated, bit, I'm finding out. <laughs> it's a bit easier if you're single. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you for that practical life tip. Yeah, so life hack for everyone yeah, listening. Life hack. There we but go. I think this goes back to the larger conversation we're having about church, because I think when you go from this sort of large idea of church to like drilling down into like church. What does church mean for me? Right. So what's the, th- do we have a third point? No, I'm going to go, I'm going to go two. Oh, we're okay. still on first. All right, yeah. No, no, no. We're, yeah. That was still the first. That oh, was all okay. unity. Okay. I'm telling y'all unity Guys, is so we're gonna important. Launch a whole nother podcast <laughs> series about just Ecclesia <laughs> church. This is so good though. I'm enjoying this. Unity. Unity. Honestly, okay. we, and, I got and again, it. Unity. unity does not mean sameness. Amen. Very different. Very different. In fact, you actually can't be unified unless you're different. That's true. Right? Okay. Yeah. You think about a puzzle. Exactly. You can't be unified. Okay. okay. Come on. Thank I'm you. Practical. Thank you for turning what I say into <laughs> practical form. That's really good, Sarah. You need those puzzle pieces to make the whole picture. Yes. yes. No, okay. That's, good. that's what I'm hearing. That's good. All right. So the second point, and I love this one. Okay. And when people hear this word, they're probably going to be like, ooh. But let me redefine it. Okay. When you warm it up like that, now everyone's like ready for it. Okay. Right. All so right. when you hear it, don't don't be like, uh. Okay. okay. All right. You ready? Br- bring it on. Holy. Oh dang. I told you. Oh shoot. I told you. So here's the thing. Holy is such a beautiful word. Yeah. So it's it's been abused by people who want to use it as a mechanism for control. Right. Okay. But what holiness in its truest and purest form means, it means something that points to the 
to the otherness of God. Mm, that's cool. To the beauty, the to the wonder, to the majesty, to the mystery yeah. of God. That's what holy is. It's it's God's defining attribute. Mm. It's the thing that makes him unlike anything else, right? So if you look at Isaiah 6, the angels are yelling holy, holy, holy as they encounter the otherness of God. And what wow, they're saying yeah. is they're saying, we don't have words for what we're seeing. And because God is holy, he loves like no one else. Mm. Because he is holy, his faith is unlike anyone else's faith. Right. Because he is holy, his peace is unlike anything we could ever know That's outside of him, yeah. right? So, so the thing, again, so church is supposed to point towards something other. And that's what I mean by holy. So when the world sees us, they should see something different. Right. Something should, you can't explain. Because Something that they can't explain. And I'm going off the top of my head right now. But there is a second century doctor who, who is writing about the church. And he said, they're a curious bunch of people. I love that. He said, curious. Like, he's like, they're a curious, they're a curious bunch. <laughs> and he I said, can hear them. And That's he, the voice. And listen, listen, I love it. He says, they don't sleep around. What? Yeah. And so we make, we make like mm. not sleeping around okay. a rule. But for curious. him, as someone on the outside, it was like, man, this is different. Yeah. Like our culture tells us right. to do this. Our culture tells us to find power in this, but this this church They don't do it. They don't they don't do it. Hmm. It's curious. It's curious. I like that. Right? So the world should look at us and be like, man, there's something curious there's about something them. different. There's something yeah. curious. There's honestly even Mysterious. weird in its truest sense. I'm talking about the denotation, not the connotation of weird. I'm like, I don't want to be weird, right? Addison. I know, I know, but weird in the sense of like, <laughs> that's different. Right. I can't, I can't explain Can't put that. my finger on it. I can't yeah. put my finger on that. Mm -hmm. So the church, the body of Christ, expression of Jesus on the earth, remember we are his temple. Paul makes the radical statement in 1 Corinthians 3 that we are God's temple. Yeah. And in the Old Testament, the temple was where heaven and earth intersected. So, so God's kingdom heaven yeah. and man's kingdom, earth, intersected at the temple. So when mm -hmm. Paul says we are God's temple, what he's saying is everywhere you go, because God's spirit lives in you, everywhere you go, that's an intersection. You can become an intersection of heaven. And wow. Earth. So I you can that. reveal heaven. So when Say that again. Say that. I want people to hear okay. that. So <laughs> since we are God's temple, right. we get to be- I, Sarah, am God's you, temple. Sarah Trupo, God's temple. You get to be a place where there's this intersection between heaven and earth. The ways wow. of heaven and the ways of earth come into tension. They come into conflict yeah. in your life. And people, they see that and they're like, okay. Yeah. Let that sink in, everyone. Because I mean, that's, that's a big deal. That is a huge deal Absolutely. that we get to be entrusted in that way. Absolutely. It is. So when you, again, and this is why Paul was, was so big in his letters about living differently. It wasn't about rules and regulations for right. the sake of rules and regulations. It was about living in a way that shows the power of a renewed mind, that shows the power of grace, that shows the power of God's spirit dwelling in us, making us something completely new, something completely other right. than what we were. Otherworldly almost. And the thing is like, I, I mean, again, sorry, I'm super practical, but I just saw like one of the Avenger movies last night, and which one? Um, Captain Marvel. Okay. Which was okay. It was okay. I've I heard know, mixed reviews. I, I, it was okay. I, I liked it. I'm still gonna lean Wonder Woman, but you know. Yeah. But anyways, what I was thinking about was how there's this desire to be otherworldly. There's this desire to be supernatural. There's this desire for human beings to go and consume this media that is all about something strange, something magical, something mysterious. You know. And so when you're talking about this, I'm thinking, you know, you don't have to go and pay ten dollars 
$15 or 15 depending on the movie theater. 15 bucks. Oh, my god. <laughs> you know, gosh. Th- those reserved seat theaters are crazy. Oh, okay. Did okay. that come with a dinner? No, oh, there wow. was no dinner. Okay. Anyways, but this is my point. You don't have to go and, and imagine that. Like, if you're a believer, you're walking as something other on this earth. You are a heavenly being that God has entrusted you. Your spirit is heavenly. And so you're walking on this earth as an other. And so rather than being like, you know, what, I just want to fit in with everybody right. and do what they're all doing. Like, no, be yourself. Be supernatural. Be like, right. be activated in that, you know? Well, and the thing is too, just because you're other doesn't mean you're unattractive. Right. I mean, people were very attracted to Jesus. Yeah. In fact, it was only the religious elite who you were... You hear that, ladies? You don't need the makeup. <laughs> just You just need Jesus. You're going to be the flyest. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, we're not saying that. <laughs> we're not. <laughs> I'm if just you, kidding. If you want to wear makeup. But there is something attractive, there though, to this point. There is something attractive about being yeah. different. And I've been in the presence of people who... I know spend time with the Holy Spirit and they are like, there's a radiance about them that I can't explain. Like there is an attractive and I don't mean like physically or sexually. I mean like you're just like drawn to them. Like I want to be in their presence because they have something. Ecclesiastes 3 says eternity was written on our hearts. So there's an expansiveness in us. There's an otherness in us that that cannot be denied. So when we see that in other people, when we see that in other things, or drawn to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's something where I love what you said is like, you don't have to like try and fit in. Like you don't have to try and, and be attractive in the world. Th- way. Actually, you'd be more attractive walking out that, yeah. you know, that eternity bit in your heart. You'd be more attractive to people if you just let God renew you and you walked out of that identity. Absolutely. And he promises to do that. I mean, that's the work of grace and it's, it's the work of sanctification in our lives. All right. The third, you ready for okay. the third? Okay. Third one. The third one is love. Nice. Okay. Right. I mean, it's kind of the obvious one, right? Love. I want to sing a Beatles song, but I'm going to hold myself back. (laughs) And when I, when I think of love, the first thing that comes to mind, first Corinthians 13, the first attribute, love is patient. Mm. I think we've lost sight of that. Mm -hmm. Patience. So I'm supposed to be patient at church? You're supposed to be patient. Is that what you're trying to tell me, That's exactly what I'm saying. (laughs) We're supposed to be patient Mm. with the people in our world. I mean, just think about God, right? He, He knows the end from the beginning, and yet he puts up with a lot of stuff. That's right. He doesn't come to us. He sees every single fault in our lives. Every single fault, Sarah. He knows every single one of your faults. He knows every single one of my faults. Oh, dang. Aren't you thankful he doesn't come to you this afternoon and sit you down and give you the page upon page upon page upon page upon page of list of, hey, here are your faults. If you don't change these things, I'm not going to love you anymore. And it's really sad. We're like, oh, no, we would never treat people like that. Oh, but we But do. subconsciously, I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've sat there in church services docking marks from Absolutely. the pastor or the worship team. We've, or... we've, we've all done it. And so what, what I like, people are like, well, you know, the Bible tells us to judge, but in other places it tells you not to judge. And, and we love to flatten truth, right? Because we, we love to turn What do you mean by it, that? Turn into formulas. Okay. I like we, lo- we love to we love to make it to where it's our it's our little tool that we can use whenever we want to use it, right? We don't wrestle with the fact that it might be a little right. bigger than our minds can handle right now. And so when we look at this, when we look at truth, we have to we have to work through it with patience. And so I tell people like, look, yeah, you can judge someone that you're actually willing to die for, because because oh if you're <laughs> <laughs> Peter, okay. Jesus, Jesus called Peter Satan because he was willing to die for him. Oh wow! You hear, you hear what I'm saying? Like, yeah, never. That Never. makes my list of criticisms shrink there, to about like there, one there you per go. two people. <laughs> I, I love I love what uh, what God says about Paul. He says, "I will show him how much he must suffer for me." In the book of Acts, right? Like, yeah. never have words been spoken with more compassion. Mm. 
Okay. I mean, just like, Explain just think that about a little that. bit. Cause never, I... never have words been spoken with more compassion because it's, it's God. God is love. He's the expression mm. of love. And so my point is, make sure you're willing to die for someone if you're going to stand in a position of judgment for them. Mm. Because here's the thing, when your heart is in a place um, where you would actually die for that person, you're going to see them through the lens of faith, hope, and love. That's true. Which is how God sees us. He sees us through the lens of faith, hope, and love, contending for a future that's bigger than the present. So when you say be patient, though, am I supposed to endure all sorts of abuses? Am I supposed to, like, what? Because I think that, for me, I hear you saying be patient, and maybe that's, you know, riding out some conflict at your church or waiting for the family, so to speak, to sort itself out. Or maybe you had a pastor that fell from grace, and now you're trying to decide if you should stay or should go. But I think one of the things is, like, what does it look like when there's either an abusive situation or you're perceiving something as an abusive situation right and that's an important difference right so can you explain a little bit there's the I'd perception love for you to share that. of abuse and then there's actual abuse right right so if you're in a situation where you're being abused that's not safe you need to remove yourself from the situation right and that's the same thing i mean again let's take it back to the family right right ecclesia family if you're in a situation where it's an abusive situation in your family you need to get out of that you need you need to be with a different family you need to be in a place where you're not going to be abused by whoever's abusing you, right? Right. So the same thing goes in the body of Christ. However, in my lifetime, I've journeyed with different people who have been, quote unquote, victims of abuse, and some of them absolutely legitimate victims of abuse. Others, at they just church. At church. Yeah. Others, they just didn't like the way things were done, or they didn't like the way they were treated. Or they didn't like their leader. Or, or what? yeah, whatever it is. Now, I will say this, okay? Jesus redefined leadership, and we forget this all the time today. He redefined leadership. So he said, I am the greatest. Yes. Right. I'm the greatest. All authority has been given to me. I am the top person. I'm the boss. Like there, right. there's, just, there's no one higher. There's no name above my name. I'm the boss. But I'm laying down my right. life. I'm becoming the servant of all. And you see this model right. in Isaiah, the suffering servant, which points to Christ. This idea of I'm using my power not to bolster a sense of significance. Right. Or control. I'm using my power or control. I'm using my power for the sake of service. And I think we have to like let that sink in for a second because I think some of us, myself included, can get there and be like, you know what? I, you're welcome church. I'm here with my gifting. I'm here with my time, (laughs) with my, my treasure, you know? And like you are, you know, you're welcome to use all of that, but I don't, and then I get offended, right? Well, why aren't they putting me in a position of leadership or why aren't they, you know, respecting the fact that I can do more than pour coffee or whatever it is. And they, and you can start to create this whole narrative in your mind about how, you know, the church, the family doesn't see you for your wonderfulness and you can then just make a decision to, to get mad and leave. And so I think what you're commenting on here is though, is the posture of the heart because it's, it's on both sides. Like if a, if a leader has failed, They've failed to, like, if they become controlling, mean, angry, abusive, they fail to see that their position, number one, is servant. Yes. And then if I, as, you know, a servant in the church, right, get prideful or arrogant or feeling like my gifts aren't being utilized here, they're not seeing my true potential, I've also lost sight of it. And I think those are two sides of the same coin. Absolutely. And that's the same root issue same root issue of not realizing that Jesus, the ultimate boss, the ultimate, you know, uh, Person. The greatest, the, the greatest. greatest of all time, the goat. Yeah, the goat. <laughs> I hope Jesus he was is the, cool he was the lamb. The goat. He was the lamb, not the goat. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about the sports acronym. Okay, greatest uh, of all time. Thank you for the non-basketballers. For, for, for our listeners who don't. <laughs> don't. Oh my goodness. 
don't know but that he was. And he was. But you don't see LeBron James tying his teammates' shoes. You don't see him doing sure. that. And I and I think we've elevated, especially in Western culture, leaders. And we've said they're greater. They're and I think as a leader, if you're a leader listening to this, check your heart. You know, check your check yourself. Do you view yourself as a servant first? Right. And and if Jesus's primary mode was that, is that your primary mode? Because yeah. that's where I think we all get off base. Absolutely. And you're gonna impact more people if you view yourself as a servant. Yeah. And I've seen that. I've seen that. I've been around leaders in the political sphere who are very powerful and they don't see themselves that way and they've been very mean and abusive to the staff and people around them and I honestly seeing that up close was like I want no part of this and then I've seen you know that in church and stuff and then I've seen amazing leaders like John and Lisa and others who they still even being a mother and father in the church now grandparent you know they still see themselves as servants to to all you know and it keeps them humble and honestly that's why my parents and I'm going to speak about them just because I've I've been able to watch their life up closely. They're incredibly humble right. people. No, they are. It's they're true. They're sixty and fifty nine, and they're still learning. And they'll be and they're still listening. They'll to be the corrected, people like they, they by their team. Yeah, half their age. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we do it respectfully, but they <laughs> yeah. listen, and it's because yeah. they haven't lost sight of the fact that their position, their status. Is for the sake of service. Right. And if you're going to serve people, guess what? You need to be in touch with the people that you're serving. And it's easy when you get all this power to start losing touch with reality. So I do want to say one thing to comfort people out there who are like, man, I've been the victim Mm -hmm. of an absolutely terrible leader. I just, two things I want to tell them. Number one, God uses imperfect people to do a perfect work in us. That's right. So just just know that it might not make sense right now, but God will redeem. He will restore. He will work a miracle. Even if it seems like things are lost, he didn't author that. He wasn't the one behind it, but he will restore it. And he will turn it into something that becomes a testimony of strength for your life. Okay? That's the first thing. That's so true. Okay. And the second thing is we can't forget what Jesus said. Greater love, tying it back to love, greater love, have no man than this, than what, Sarah? Than he who lays his life down for his friend. Absolutely. So what does that mean? That means serving. That means laying down our own perspectives of what's best in a situation and being in tune with the mm. Holy Spirit yeah. so that we can actually do what's best in that situation. Because there are times to run, and there are times to stand. Yeah. There are times to fight, and there are times to be still and know that He is God. And that's the thing with Scripture. Like People look in Scripture, and they'll find a Scripture for their stance right. that they want to take <laughs> right. in that situation. And be like, I'm supposed to call them on the floor yeah. because Paul called Peter on the floor about his hypocrisy. Yeah. Right. But yeah. I'll give you I'll give you other I'll give you other situations, other circumstances where it was navigated differently. And that's why, again, going back to Romans 8, it is those who are led by the Spirit of God, the ones who are in tune with what mm-hmm. God is doing in the Spirit earth, of who truth. is the Spirit of truth. Those are the ones right. who are the sons and daughters of God, meaning those are the ones who are the expression of his design and desire for his church. Because when you come to the table and you say, God, how do I handle this situation? He will show you the scripture. He will show you the direction. (laughs) And he will oftentimes show you something where you'll be like, "Mm, okay, let's flip a few pages and see if I can find what I want to believe. Oh, absolutely. But the thing is, if you really let yourself be led, he's going to show you the way out of any situation or the way into a situation. Maybe you're scared to get back involved in church. Just start in prayer. Just start praying about what it looks like to get involved again. And I think that's, with this series, you know, really our goal is three things. And since you have three things, I'm at three things. Okay, let's do it. But they're going to be quick. Do it. Okay, number one, our goal is to challenge your current thinking about church. So, yeah, maybe the church has problems, but... Not maybe. Okay. Definitely. Okay. We'll we'll, we'll say that, definitely. So, yes, the church has problems. We can confront that head on. 
but how are you being involved in making those problems a solution? How are you innovating? How are you allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you to new roads? And then, you know, in that same vein, the global church is much bigger than your local context. So you might be listening to us in Europe or in Australia. We have people listening from everywhere. You might be listening to us in America. And maybe you're looking at your local church going, well, yeah, but in America, it's so much better. Or but in Australia, it's so much better. There's so much more chill down there. Or, you know, like for me, sometimes I when I go to like Hillsong and stuff, I'm like, dang, I wish we could have fun chickens running across the stage at a conference. Like that would be weird here. But, you know, here's my point. The global church is bigger than your local context. So that's point one. We want to challenge your current thinking. Point two is we want to confront the belief systems that are holding you back. So consumerism, a me mentality towards church, maybe offense. You know, you're offended with a, a former leader, with somebody you worked with at church, or you, just a parishioner or friend that hurt your feelings. Because to your point, Ad, chasing purpose shouldn't require perfection. You know, it shouldn't be something that we chuck the whole mission because right. we're mad about something. And then honestly, too, the limiting belief system and the I would say it's a reversed self-absorption to say, I'm not I'm not capable. I can't do it. I I have nothing to give. It's we always talk about pride and we think about it as this boisterous. I'm awesome. I'm the best. But there's a reverse pride that says I have nothing to give. I'm so terrible I it, because you're still taking yourself out of the game. And the thing is, you're putting more stock in your own opinion of yourself than God's opinion. Of exactly. You. And so being selfless means literally thinking of yourself less Mm -hmm. so and then our third mission with this series is to inspire you with true stories of modern church leaders so we have some awesome yes we do do you want to no no okay all right we'll just have to come back we have some awesome modern church leaders who are going to share just about things they're involved with missions movements just incredible stories of what god's led them to do that i think are really going to inspire you if you're needing a little inspiration and then i just uh want to leave you with this thought you know first thessalonians 2 4 says we speak as messengers approved by god to be entrusted with the good news that's our mission here at messenger and the last part of that is our purpose is to please god not people and so i think going in into this, just come with the mentality of saying, you know what, God, I'm open. I'm open to hearing what you have to say to me about resetting church in my life, whether that means getting involved again, freeing me of offense, giving me a, a God dream or an innovative solution. Yeah. Both Addison and I would love to encourage you just come with open hands to this um, to this series. And so we are super excited. But with all of that being said, that's all we have time for today. So thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode of our Reset Church series. They're going to be awesome. And they're going to be good. And we want to remind you, remember, you are the messenger to the people in your world. Your life is a message. So lean into God's grace and watch your world change. Until next time. Thanks for listening to The Messenger Podcast. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review and be sure to subscribe and share these episodes through iTunes. You can connect with us through Facebook, Instagram, and through our website at messengerinternational.org. Until next time.